You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. It is my pleasure to bring you this show each and every week as we move through the NFL season, week one in the books. It was a I was going to say it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun watching the NFL, having it back on our screens again. But my fantasy teams this week did uh, pretty much uh, absolutely atrocious. So didn't go too well for me in that respect. The Packers, though, had a nice win uh, over the Seattle Seahawks. So I did appreciate that very much as a Packers fan. But uh, on today's show, I'm going to be joined to look back a little bit at week uh, one and look ahead to week two. I'm going to be joined by Rumford Johnny, one of the kind of, in my opinion, one of the uh, great, really, really good guys. Not even good guy, one, a really, really great guy on Twitter and the fantasy football community always there to help uh, everyone out and uh, with whatever they need uh, Romy is one of the the real real good guys there on Twitter and uh, of course you can follow him on Twitter at Rumford Johnny and he'll be jumping on in just a couple of minutes to join me here as always starting off the show uh, please do give us a rating and a comment on whatever device you uh, or system you use to listen to your podcast whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn you can also stream us uh, directly on the OvertimeArland.com website there is a player there on the right hand side off the screen just uh, click the play button and listen to us there but obviously you're listening to the podcast already so whatever you're listening on at this particular moment in time make sure you hit that subscribe button and also give us a written and a comment that does help us here helps us move up the channels and up the charts and uh, and as well be sure and spread the word to uh, anyone else you think would be interested in listening obviously retweeting us on twitter is a huge huge help to us so thank you all who do that each and every week it is much much appreciated i do thank you for that and if you do go over to that OvertimeIreland.com website, there is a section on it that says Recommended. That is all the affiliates that we have here at OTA for the upcoming season. We have Amazon, Amazon UK, Amazon Prime. There is a free trial for Amazon Prime. There is also a free trial, a month-long trial on uh, Audible as well. If you're in the USA, you get two free audiobooks. If you're in the UK, you get one book free of charge. Just sign up, uh, get that free trial, but you do need to go through the OTA page on that recommended page click that link and uh, it does help us out so check out the affiliates we have there all of those uh, kick a little bit back here to OTA and help us as we continue to grow the podcast grow the website and uh, just uh, make things happen in general also, I've mentioned on the last uh, number of podcasts that I'm now working along with Rotoviz as well, and I'm doing a lot of work with their podcast channel over there. But I'm also uh, hosting a couple of shows for them, and uh, the Highlight Reel is one that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. A lot of fun doing it, uh, along with uh, it's a singly hosted show, but we have a team of hosts, and also Dave Kaban of the team is over there, and Neil Dutton. A lot of you'll know him as well from his appearances here on the OTI podcast. The three of us are uh, doing a rotating kind of hosting gig there there is uh, two shows a week so there's three hosts to help uh, kind of differentiate up the work and on Fridays as well each and every Friday I will be doing the Beat Report podcast it is the fantasy football beat I'll be talking to beat reporters from around the NFL about one particular game of uh, the Sunday slate of games and this week I'll be previewing the Saints uh, hosting the New England Patriots with Mike Giardi of CSN New England so really looking forward to that there recording that tomorrow this has been recorded Thursday prior to Thursday night football so with all the plugs with all the talking and uh, the intro done out of the way let's get straight into the podcast let's get the guest on so let's talk with Rumford Johnny (laughs) 
So I'm delighted to be joined now on the podcast by a guy I, each and every time I, I love having him on the show and it's always a lot of fun. And I know he's not on uh, podcasts as often as he once was. It is Rumford Johnny. Uh, Rummy, how are you doing? What's going on, my friend? Uh, long time no speak, but uh, it's always a pleasure <laughs> to uh, reach across the pond, if you will, uh, to uh, to speak to you about uh, you know the uh, great American sport, which is football. Yeah, and obviously week one now in the books, and it's, you know it's a, it's a funny week one. Looking at, uh, I'm just looking back at my team's done. They pretty much all done crap uh, throughout the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, did you have a good, bad, or indifferent week? Well, just to, to to kind of give full disclosure right now, I don't play really on all that many uh, season long stuff now or dynasty anymore. I kind of really chiseled that down almost nothing and play mainly DFS in, uh, you know, best ball leagues like MFL 10s. And unfortunately, yeah, week one was kind of <laughs> sort of uh, an outlier, I think, because, you know, obviously the injury to David Johnson was huge. Uh, Le'Veon Bell sort of having the worst game of his one of his you know one of his worst games of his young career. Um, it's it's really you know it, it, one of those weeks where you just kind of have to get dust yourself off, come back the next week, and and realize that kind of stuff is less likely to happen throughout the season, and that uh, you know not not to really worry too too much about it repeating itself. Yeah, the the thing is, if this happened say week eight, week nine, you kind of do just say oh. Dusted off, but when it happens week one, you kind of question every philosophy you had uh, throughout the offseason. <laughs> you, you question your whole process, and uh, but I, it is one of those things you just have to dust off. You know, there's a lot. Of, I had a lot of lineups this week that, you know, I had five or six players on the on the lineups that didn't hit double digits. I had a couple of teams. I had a team with Andy Dalton, and it, uh, you know, so he he finished minus three in this particular league. You know, I had a lot of players had Allen Robinson starting in that t- game. He had one catch, uh, tore his ACL, unfortunately for him. So there's lots of things like that that can happen, and sometimes it can all just spiral out of control. But there was a lot of teams this week that it was quite a low-scoring week in general, and uh, a lot of the studs didn't turn up. But we're going to talk through uh, some of the injuries to start off, and then we're going to run through what we kind of think of last week and heading into this week. So unfortunately, there was quite a few, not as many big injuries as sometimes we would have. Uh, last year, you'll remember back to week one, Keenan Allen tore his ACL, but I mentioned there, with Alan Robinson, he did tear his ACL. He's out for the remainder of the season. Danny Woodhead uh, injured his hamstring. He has gone on IR, so he's going to miss a considerable chunk of time. Kevin White, who over the last kind of since he came into the league, really has uh, been banged up continuously. It's uh, obviously unfortunate for him and for the Bears, but uh, you know he's he's out again. And then you mentioned with David Johnson, his wrist injury. That was the that was the big big uh, injury. Obviously, the weekend with him going in the top two of pretty much all season long uh, drafts this off season. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's obviously the biggest biggest injury that we've had to deal with. Uh, it, it, you know, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think all three. All four of those teams, actually, that you mentioned, all really kind of based their offense through the running back uh, and playing defense. So uh, it, it definitely does sort of hamper what they do as a whole. But I think if their defenses play really well, then there won't be that much of a problem in terms of uh, being able to still kind of execute what they want to in terms of their game plan i don't think they're necessarily going to morph into something completely different so um so it's interesting with david johnson it's, it's a little troubling i don't think that they're going to really go with uh you know trying to get anything out of Curlin williams or or pulling you know david johnson out of a dust pile excuse me out of chris johnson out of a dust pile uh 
and expecting them to replicate anything that David Johnson does. He's just a different animal. It's going to be more dependent now on, on Larry Fitzgerald, on John Brown, and of course, Carson Palmer. But that does sort of make me a little nervous because I thought the way Carson Palmer was playing in that game, he looked really rough. He looked like he was maybe, uh, you know, one foot out the door, so to speak. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict you on that. Uh, watching the game back, looking at the the box score did look particularly bad. But when you look back at the interceptions in particular, had there was a couple of them that just you know some they're kind of they could be one off plays when you have four of them in the one game. It does look pretty bad. But there was times in the game where you know with drops and so on. I thought I don't think Palmer was as bad as people are uh, kind of making out over the last couple of days. But there's an argument. There's an argument to me made that if you watch it all the way through you can say there there's certain things that were not his fault obviously but again i my my feeling is that he's not going to be able to put the team on his back i think ha- losing somebody like you know david johnson is enormous uh for that offense i, I think it's like if, if, if you were to say if uh new england new england patriots lost you know you know gillisley i think they'd be fine um, if the Steelers, you know, lost Le'Veon Bell, I think they wouldn't be fine. I think that does help them quite a bit. And obviously Antonio Brown's immense and, and, and Martavis Bryant. And we know the the home road splits with Roethlisberger, but anytime you have a running back that is the center of your offense, who, where they sort of play that, uh, if you remember Marshall, Marshall Falk with, uh, you know, the, the rims of, of, of uh, the greatest show on turf. He was so huge. He was a centerpiece of that offense, regardless of what people will say about Kurt Warner. It was still it still went through Marshall Falk. When he wasn't playing, it was a different offense. So I think that's kind of how you can attribute at least the top two uh, when, you know, even even with somebody, even with an injury, I mean, even with somebody like um, like Bell playing less than, optimal they they still can win pittsburgh because i think they have enough peripherally obviously i mean they've got brown they've got bryant they've got jesse james even in the red zone was a huge monster roethlisberger can certainly carry this team and they can get enough out of the running back position but i think with david johnson in that situation it just it changes the whole complexion of the team it forces carson palmer to hold on to the ball a little bit longer to for place to develop downfield I think they'll be asking more of Larry Fitzgerald, obviously. Um, but I just don't see this becoming this great, you know. It's so dependent on that. Because, listen, Bruce Arians loves to throw the football downfield. You know, anytime, any place that he's come from, he loves to get guys downfield and chuck it. And having David Johnson as that safety valve allows him to do that because teams have to game plan for David Johnson underneath because he is such a great pass catcher in traffic. Um, without him, I don't think there's much of a threat there at running back. So for me, I, I think that affects the, the offense, meaning that they're going to have much more downfield developing plays dialed up. I think that's bad news for Carson Palmer. Yeah, I think uh, going forward, it's certainly going to be bad news for him. I was just going on the, the game last week. But as you mentioned, you know, Bell and uh, David Johnson are two players that are kind of, 
not normal in the NFL now where they're so valuable right. as a running back to their team. So I agree 100% with what you were saying. And, you know, a lot of Bruce Arian stuff to them, deep shots, a lot of them can be based off play action. And when you don't have, you know, a running back in there that the defense really fears and has to step up with the safeties to try and, you know, co- combat them in the run game, it doesn't give you those opportunities then to hit those deep shots and the wide receivers can stay in coverage based on the fact that the safety is going to be a little bit deeper. So it does put a lot of pressure on it. I'm interested to see how they do this week. Just on the situation with Danny Woodhead and of course uh, Bruce Ari- or David Johnson. Bruce Arians said with David Johnson they're hoping to get him back by Christmas, so that's not a good <laughs> sign. Pretty much, pretty much, uh, if they're not uh, if they're not making the playoffs or in contention, he's not coming back this year. And maybe uh, Bruce Arians is hoping for Santa Claus to come and <laughs> take David Johnson with him. Well, but, uh, well, him, you know, Bruce Arians saying that is like kind of like the kid who's who's uh, whose dad just went to the corner store for a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, he's not. He's coming not back. coming back. <laughs> Yeah, that, so that's that, how I yeah. feel about David Johnson. Yeah, so I think. I, I think I think with Johnson, I think it's pretty safe. You don't want it, but I think at this moment in time, if you don't have an IR slot in your, uh, you know, if it's a right. redraft, I think you have to cut him. And I think similarly with Danny Woodhead, because if you're holding on to one of them and you might have five or six spots in your bench and you're holding on to them, like you know, if it comes to if he comes back week nine week 10 you've been holding him all the time and you know it's going to it's going to be counterproductive throughout it I think both of those I think are uh, cuts uh, would you agree with that yeah I mean I I still try to move some of those guys I mean I think with with Johnson there's at least well both of them really are because they both have that long-term outlook but could come back the problem is is that with both teams potentially not being at this point, when you take those guys out of the out of the equation, I think it's probably less likely it hurts, you know, Baltimore as much as it hurts, uh, you know, Arizona. I think with Arizona, it, it kind of this really dents their probability of being a playoff team. So you get down towards the end of the season, and they're 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 in the hole. Then there's no reason for him to come back. There's no reason for David Johnson to be activated. They just Hey, get healthy, kid. Next year you come back, you'll be a, a killer like you were the year before. You know, if the Ravens are still competitive, then there's a chance that Woodhead could come back. I mean, I don't know. I just I think that they would be you know fine with not having to rush him back either. So it's kind of a six of one, half a dozen on the other. But obviously, David Johnson just has name value more more than Danny Woodhead. Obviously, it's go- it's going to hurt cutting him this week, but uh, it's just something that you have to do. I mean, again, if you can move him for something, and I know people have, you know, I, I somebody, uh, I think uh, my old podcast partner Ray Summerlin said that he moved him for somebody, for a wide receiver, uh, and if you can get something for him, I mean, if he comes back early, you kick yourself a little bit, but I, I mean, the chances are he's not, and that by the time he is ready, that they'll shut him down. So you're, if you're able to get something right now before the outlook becomes even worse. Um, then try to do that. Because, look, if, if somebody's optimistic that he's coming back around Christmas and he could be a league winner for them, which, again, I can't possibly see that happening to David Johnson once he comes back. I mean, he, if he saw the field at all, it's going to be – this is my opinion now. You can take that with a grain of salt if you want. If he comes back that late and Arizona, for whatever reason, by some, by some crazy miracle – they're still a playoff bubble team. They're not going to put David Johnson in harm's way until they need to. So if they can get to the playoffs and be a wild card team, then you'll see him in the playoffs. But I doubt you'll see him in the regular season at that point. You know what I mean? It's that far in the end of the season where why would he come back? But if he, 
um, they make the playoffs for you know whatever reason, then you, you you'd see them in the playoffs. But then that doesn't help your your regular season playoff, you know, regular season playoffs anyway, because you won't see that time of year anyway. So, you know, for me, if you can get something from now, try. Otherwise, if you have to cut them and make space and pick up somebody else, like a, you know, a Tarek Cohen or something like that, uh, then, then fine. But otherwise don't, you know, just drop them for dropping them sake, you know, and picking up some bum they're going to drop next week anyway. And uh, you just uh, wait until the, the playoffs just after Christmas, and then you can slot him into your DFS lineup. Uh, that's probably the next <laughs> time you'll see him. Right, uh, exactly. Obviously, then I mentioned Kevin White. He is on injured reserve with a fractured scapula. It's the third time in three campaigns for him that he, he hasn't come close to finishing the year. He's heading in to the 2018 season, and he'll have made just five career appearances after I think he was a number seven overall pick for the Bears a couple of years back. So it's been a, it's been a terrible start to his career, and it's very hard to know if uh, he'll get another opportunity with the Bears next season. Uh, looking into the next bit now, we're going to go into week one, basically running through players who we thought, maybe we think they'll, uh, you know, re- regress back to what we thought they were pre- prior to the, the first week of the season or players who maybe we thought were going to be very good and uh, they had a bad week in what we think for the rest of the season. So we'll go through them and uh, players that first of all that had nice starts that uh, do you think they're going to continue to do so for the rest of the year. We've up first is Leonard Fournette, fourth overall pick this year for the Jaguars. Had a very very nice game against the Texans, a game which I thought it was going to be quite a, a tough matchup for them based on the, the Texans' uh, front seven. He carried the ball 26 times for 100 yards, and he had some, some uh, you know, nice bits of explosive power. So I was impressed overall with this game. He, had a, he showed well in the passing game as well. So with uh, the Jaguars, and obviously they're, they're trying to keep the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands as much as possible. <laughs> uh, how, how do you think? Were you impressed with Fournette, first of all? And then do you expect this to be more of the same. I think there'll be games this year where they do fall behind, but that defense this week was uh, very, very impressive. Clayus Campbell really tearing it up, and uh, then if they can get that defense going, it's a perfect combination to have your uh, lead running back carrying the ball, you know, 25 to 30 times a game. Yeah, I mean, I I like I liked Leonard Fournette coming out of LSU. Uh, we knew that he was sort of limited in the passing game and wasn't really like this easy hands catcher like uh, like David Johnson, like as an example, he wasn't that kind of a running back, but he was a big power back. He is more of, uh, you know, probably uh, a throwback to like young, you know, Marshawn Lynch in terms of, of power, you know, speed to power. I think that's kind of what he is. Um, but he's not a big, he's not, a, you know, a guy that's going to help you a lot in the passing game. My concern with him is that it feels like the Jaguars, who I think are a much better team than they have been. I think, obviously, you mentioned Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell was, they, you know, the Texans were out without Dwayne Brown. That helps a lot, obviously, make things easier for Calais Campbell, who's still a great player, mind you. But it's just sort of like you have to look at the matchups and say, well, look look who they were beating up on. And, and obviously, Savage is a absolute, you know, crash test, <laughs> crash test dummy out there. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's literally like, a, you know, lining up a scarecrow with a helmet on and just say, okay, go get him. And that's kind of what it looked like. So, so those things all sort of lining up mean for great opportunities to say, Hey, they're not scoring points on us and we're getting the ball back and we can just run our game plan. It's positive game script for us. So we can kind of really impose our will I think those games are going to happen for for the Jaguars, but I think there are going to be some games where they're going to have to play from behind, and it's going to cause some negative game script uh, 
for Fournette where they're not going to be in the red zone and they're not, he's not going to have those opportunities to really punch it in. So it's going to make it a little bit more of a steep climb. I think he could be, definitely be a volume guy, and I think they'll be stubborn enough, even if they're down by a few scores, to continue to run the football. I just think they will. Um, so, But I, I still think that that really kind of makes him so much more touchdown dependent, and when you're not really in a positive game script, it's going to be a much tougher to, to sort of assume that he's going to have those opportunities when they're down two and a half scores in a game and they're still running it, you know, you know, and not really going anywhere and having to punt. So um, that's kind of my feeling on Fournette. Yeah, that's where I can, in the preseason, thought that the problem would be if they're in that negative game script. I did think the defense would improve, but what they showed the last day, obviously. But as you mentioned, the offensive line, the quarterback situation, they're going to get a real test this week because they're going up against the Titans. They are at home, but they're they're facing the Titans, and in my opinion, probably with the Raiders and the Cowboys, I think the, the Titans are up there with the, you know a kind of top-five offensive line. So it's, it'll be a different test for them this week, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out so we'll kind of have a little bit better of a better idea of what to expect from the Jaguars moving forward after this weekend. The other one here at quarterback. And also, Colin, uh, let me yeah, stop you real quickly. And they're also a very good defensive line too. So 100%. conversely, conversely, that's going to make things a little tougher for Fournette. I, I agree. I agree on that one as well. Uh, Carson Wentz up next, uh, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I'm always impressed by his ability to improvise, but sometimes the problem is when he's improvising that it can turn out to be absolutely terrible as well. We've seen that in a few times last season, but he had a nice connection with Nelson Aguilar this past week for a 58-yard touchdown. So it was it was one of those things that popped up on red zone, and I seen him scrambling about, and I thought, this is either going to be absolutely terrible or it's going to be very good. Usually when it shows that red zone highlight and that the team's in their own half, you know that there's something big going to happen. They're not just showing it for no reason. So uh, he, had a, he had quite a nice uh, game, but he's still very... Very far, obviously, from the finished product. But with what he did this past week, do you expect him to uh, continue to improve, or is he somebody you think that's uh, going to drop back to where we've seen him last season? No, I think he's going to continue to improve. I think he's—I I do think he is—he's uh, a pretty smart player. He's going to make mistakes. I mean, pretty much. There, there are very few quarterbacks in the league that really—if—if if, if you're getting credit for protecting the football all the time, then you're Alex Smith. You're Alex Smith. You know, and I'm you not knocking Alex. You're not Alex. I mean, not knocking Alex Smith, but Alex Smith is never having five. He's never had really five thousand yard seasons or whatever, or or you know, forty five hundred yard seasons. He's not that guy on, on so, this season. <laughs> possibly, I mean, it's possible, but but uh, but he hasn't been that guy. So I'm saying, I'm just saying, comparatively, you know, he's. I don't think Wentz is that guy. I think he's a guy that he's younger. He's gonna make those mistake throws where he's trying to get the ball downfield and it's gonna, he's just going to not see the guy jumping in the route and he's just going to get picked off. And that's going to happen a few times with him. I do think he has a little bit of that gunslinger mentality, which is good because you want that in your fantasy quarterback. You want him to open things up and be able to take shots downfield and, and put up points. So I do like him still. I mean, obviously Ertz is great because – um, he's going to check down to him a lot. You know, he's going to look for him a lot because he's going to have the most favorable matchups. Um, obviously, Aguilar was, you know, is nice for me because I was a guy that was like big on Aguilar. Uh, I, I almost never, and I'll tell you the, the honest truth, I almost never back a USC wide receiver. Historically, they just they burn you more than a crazy girlfriend. I mean, seriously, all the time and. For me, with with Aguilar, it was nice to see him being utilized in the right fashion in that offense. So he's 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 
you know, come around to like being really a reliable target. We have a short sample right now, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes going forward. I do still like him a lot. He's and if you're playing DFS, both he and Wentz are still relatively cheap, so you can continue to keep playing them until they get outpriced. Very interesting uh, plays, you know, moving forward. But they have a very tough contest this week. They are in Kansas City against the Chiefs and Arrowheads. Always mm. a tough, tough place to play. And just when we're on the Chiefs, uh, obviously they had a big win against the Patriots. And uh, bad news for them with uh, Eric Berry tearing his Achilles in that game. Uh, you know, he's one of the players I always like to watch uh, when I'm watching the Chiefs uh, defensively. And uh, obviously he's out for the rest of the season. So a tough, tough blow for them. Uh, Terry Cohen had a monster game for the Bears. And... You know, a lot of people would have took Jordan Howard uh, late first round. Maybe there's slight uh, concerns there for that, but going forward, how do you see Cohen's role going? Obviously, I mentioned earlier as well that White is out for the rest of the season, so he's going to be in there on the, you know, on pass catching uh, or passing downs, and he had eight uh, eight catches of twelve targets and forty seven yards, one touchdown, and sixty seven sixty six yards on the ground. So quite a, quite a big game from him, and then. Obviously, Jordan Howard was in at the end of that game, down near the goal line, and uh, dropped a pass that could have took them in to uh, beat the Atlanta Falcons. So, with Cohen, is, uh, how do you see the role shaking out rest of season? Obviously, it's, this is this is the ceiling, I think, for him, but uh, do you expect many more games off this kind of caliber throughout the year? I do. I think he's kind of showing at least that he has standalone value. He showed it in the preseason. Uh, he was, you know, in a, in a peculiar way, was not utilized uh, I think it was in the last game. I think they, they didn't do anything with him, maybe didn't even play the last preseason game, which was weird to me because I figured that he wasn't necessarily a starter, but um, that they would at least give him some exposure in that game. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he barely played. So that you know was a surprise. But now looking forward, it, when you say something like that, you're like, maybe they're protecting him a little bit and they want him to be a bigger part of the game. Yeah, I think he has standalone value as a pass catcher. Now, this obviously, with everything that's tilted now, especially with Kevin White now, the IR, uh, and I hope, listen, I hope they finally just just disclose that he's actually 57 years old. And, <laughs> and cut the crap already. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cohen is just such a, he's like such a water bug. He's one of those guys that you can't keep off the field. You know, he he does, I mean, the, the lazy comparison is Sproles, but he is kind of that guy, you know. He's that guy that you can help you in special teams. He's he's a guy that's it's can break away a, a, a you know a bubble screen and take it for like twenty thirty yards. So he's a guy that you have to keep on the field. If the rest of your wide receivers are sort of like these average sort of playmakers, where you don't really have anybody that can break out with the football. So I do think that his value is still solid. And again, and I hate to keep going back to DFS. He's still cheap in DFS. So um, you can continue to use him. Even if you want to use him this week, even though his ownership will probably go up, I'd still use him because uh, I think he's only 4,200 on, uh, on DraftKings. I mean, again, if you, if you can't get four X out of that kid, I mean, you're doing it wrong. So, yeah, and I, I always think I always try and tell the listeners at this time of the season if people are talking about DFS, it's the perfect time to start trying to use those you know cheaper guys as waiver wire candidates as you're moving forward. It's a, another way, even if you're not playing DFS, to try and get that extra information added. And they're also traveling two face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. The Buccaneers having uh, basically their bye week last week with no game, and I'm expecting anyway for the Buccaneers to put up uh, quite a few points in that home opener against the Bears. So I think he's somebody who definitely should be used on passing down, so there's definitely an opportunity to cash in on him there. Some other rookies that had uh, top 12 finishes in week one, I'm just going to run 
through them and I'll let you uh, think, tell me who you think uh, is uh, worth owning the rest of the way. Deshaun Kaiser was number seven in terms of quarterbacks this week in fantasy value. Uh, I mentioned earlier Fournette was number three, Cohen number four, Kareem Hunt was number one with a monster game against the Patriots, Dalvin Cook number 12 and Kenny Galladay number three at the wide receiver position. Very impressive late catch by him in that fourth quarter diving for the touchdown. Cooper Cup as well, number nine overall. So uh, are you looking at those guys? How do you see... Uh, how do you see it all shaking out? Any of those? Obviously, you have Kareem Hunt. You know, the, the main candidates, Kareem Hunt uh, and um, Leonard Fournette are obvious candidates, but maybe uh, yeah. Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, any of those two that you're really behind? Yeah, I think I think Galladay is interesting because of, of his pecking order in the offense. He's still sort of behind, you know, he's still, still sort of the wide receiver three in that offense, but he's such a good, efficient red zone guy that he could potentially be, you know, this year's, um, you know, and I think he has much better hands, by the way, he could be this year's Devonte Adams, where he just sort of usurps some of that red zone work and maybe doesn't need as many targets. Um, so I think that's, he's an interesting play for me. Um, I still think he's obviously going to be behind Marvin and, and Tate, uh, but he, and, and maybe with Ebron this week, who has a, a really plus matchup this week, uh, it could be could be a little interesting, you know, in terms of what his target share is. I mean, I wouldn't go crazy with him, but I still think, in, you know, in Dynasty, obviously, he's he's a great play. He's a guy that if you drafted him late, you, you scored really well. I think he's going to have some really plus weeks, but he's also he might have some weeks where he's kind of almost absent from the score sheet. So that's my only concern with him, just because they have other guys. And, and even Reddick, you know, Theo Reddick is still a guy yeah. that they target a lot in the passing game. So just so many mouths to feed and so many game plans to consider going forward that it might be a little tougher for him to put up those consistent numbers. But that said, you know, bravo to the young man for doing what yeah. he did, obviously, because that's tough to do as a rookie. So yeah, and he's been um, he's, he's been incredibly consistent. And, the, you know, when you do it in the preseason, you know, you can say, oh, it's only the preseason. But when you can do it, uh, you know, in the regular season, it definitely uh, puts a, a rubber stamp on what you've seen in the preseason with him. Yeah, when you start building a resume in, yeah. the, in the preseason, and, and again, again, we go back. Tariq Cohen did. You know, we we saw it with Kenny Galladay. We saw it with other guys. We saw it with Cream Hunt. We saw it with these rookies that are showing their cards now. Uh, Cooper Cup too. I mean, Cup's another one. I I, I like Cup because, um, which sounds dumb. It sounds like a T-shirt. I like Cup. Um, <laughs> I love. Brick. I I love Brick. Um, yeah, I think that because that, you know, Jared Goff is still going to re- be reliant on the check down. I think that Cup is somebody that, you know, in, in a sort of poor man's version of Brady, you know, to Edelman, to Welker, whatever, however yeah. broke down. I'm not comparing him to them. No, please don't don't at me on Twitter. But I'm saying it's Maybe something like to- uh, Landry, Landry in Miami more so. Maybe even Landry, you know, the way it was prior before Jay Cutler got there, you know, with the, um, you know, the way Landry basically wasn't, yeah, with, with Tannehill in the in the Miami offense, similar to that, where he really is dependent on him, in case he, he gets the pocket gets muddy, he can yeah. check down. Nobody knows he's going to get positive yards from it. So yeah, he surprised me. He was a guy again, and a lot like, believe it or not, like Carson Wentz, where he went to a small school. And I just didn't see it translating, like beating up on on weak, you know, oppositions or maybe you're the big fish in the small pond. I didn't see it translating and it has. So kudos to, 
you know, Mike Mayock, who was huge on Cooper Cup, I wasn't, and I, you know, I think he's shown that at least he can play in this league and he can be consistent, trusted cog in that wheel. So, and it does, it does help. Obviously, helps uh, Todd Gurley. It helps that their defense is really good. It kind of all works together, and I think once everything else opens up, um, you, you know, Sammy's going to have that big breakout game too. It's just going to get better for for Jared Goff and having somebody like that is like to have that seven to eight targets a game. I think he has definitely has value going forward. Yeah, certainly in PPR leagues, just uh, when we're on that and we're kind of talking through week one, uh, you know, I kind of into my head just with what, what do you think if you had to pick something, maybe putting you on the spot here, but uh, what do you think maybe is the biggest overreaction you've seen so far, maybe in terms of player value in DFS or some just opinion of a certain player, a certain team based off one week of NFL action? Because, you know, I, I always like to try and look back in history, and you know, some teams start off slow and they come. I remember back to I remember uh, we're on to Cincinnati with the Patriots, and then they went yeah. they, they crushed Cincinnati after they lost to the Chiefs, I think, in that their game as well. So they went on yeah. crushed Cincinnati, went on won the Super Bowl. So sometimes we just like get where everyone starts to talk the one narrative after just a short space of time, and we think we know everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, three weeks later, we, we're just luckily like idiots. So is there anything you think that? over week one that people are just really maybe uh, jumping on too quick and getting a little bit overboard on? Well, you kind of, you kind of hit on it. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the bad teams aren't as bad as they look and the good teams aren't as good as they look. And I think that, you know, the truth lies somewhere in between. Um, and we'll find out more, you know, this is really sort of like, it's almost like a, a next week like, of the preseason. Almost. This is a, this is a 16. No, this is like having a 16 course dinner. And we've seen the first course, and God, it was delicious, or it might have been awful. doesn't mean that everything else is going to suck and everything else is going to be fantastic. You're going to like some better than others, and therefore you're going to have some weeks that are better than others in, in, in throughout the season. So like you said, I mean, I think Kansas City kind of is one of those teams that has New England's number sometimes, and, and it was just sort of that perfect storm. They do have some concerns, and I, as a Patriots fan, I mean, obviously we want to make sure that Hightower is healthy. When he's in there, it does affect them against the run. I thought they played very poorly on the back end. Uh, tackling was garbage for the, the Patriots. So, But they had 10 days to prepare in a dome against New Orleans. So I think that New England's going to put up a lot of points again. They're going to bounce back this week. Um, and I think that the defense is going to play better. Because if the offense is scoring, then the defense can take more chances and they can certainly get after the quarterback and make some things happen. So, and, but I, you know, I truly respect Drew, B, Drew Brees in that offense. I think they can definitely make things happen. It should be a fun game, but certainly, you know, we're going to see, uh, you know, a 180 from New England. I think, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of these teams that didn't look so good are going to look a lot better. I think, you know, like you had mentioned, Andy Dalton. I think, you know, he's he's due for a bounce back too. So, and he's that kind of guy. He's a role. It's it's the uh, uh, roller coaster. I think it was our, uh, the buddy, our buddy Chris Wesley used to call it the Dalton uh, scale, yeah. and it looked like a little bit of a roller coaster. But uh, yeah, it's it, it, you know everybody is not what they were from week one. It, I think you, you're somewhat of that that uh, that production, but necessarily there were a lot of little things that happened within that that construct that allowed for them to do. Like you know, if a team is really not protecting the football. Wow, this guy scored this many rushing touchdowns. Yeah, because they were always in the red zone, and he had a lot of opportunities to score. I mean, that kind of stuff happens. 
you know, and, and other times where you see there's just pressure on the quarterback. They just can't stop anybody. Um, they, uh, otherwise, elite quarterback looks like he's hurried and doesn't look comfortable. Like, well, what's wrong with him? Well, you'd be the same way if you're getting hit all the time. So, you know, that's kind of what we have to kind of really look at past it and say each week is different. Expect them to be better and improved. Again, if there are teams that will slide downhill, and that happens every year, but there are also teams that will come up from nothing and become that you know proverbial phoenix from the ashes every year and uh, and show us something. So again, just don't take too much away from week one. Expect it to be a little different week two. Yeah, and you mentioned the Patriots as well. That ten days is going to be uh, it's quite a turnaround for them uh, to to prepare for a game. And uh, for my, I'm doing a new podcast on Rotovis last week, being the first one of it, and uh, it's the Beat Report. And I'm going to be talking with Mike Giarty uh, of. Uh, CSN New England tomorrow previewing that game so it's going to be I'm looking forward to diving deeper into that one with him but the last thing on the Patriots and it seems like I'm using the Patriots for all my uh, information here but if you just think back to the Super Bowl I've seen an interesting piece uh, on I think it was NFL Network over the last uh, kind of four or five days and it was talking about the the people reporting on the game for the different newspapers in America and they had started to type up as the game went on their story about the Atlanta Falcons and how they had dominated and destroyed the Patriots and then they were reading through their kind of back draft of what they had written down and then you know it's interesting to read back the story of what they were writing prior to that fourth quarter comeback so sometimes even in one game we can talk you know think we know it all and then by the end of the game it's all uh, turned back around again. Exactly I mean even New England in, in week one really was looking like they were you know, going to run away with it too. I mean, they were up, they were up by a little bit too. And again, it, it just, it takes uh, just a little bit to kind of turn your fortunes around. So that's just, that's the NFL. But, you know, again, that's why we shouldn't take away too, too much from week one. Yeah. I'm going to bounce through the players now that we may be concerned about, and I'm going to pair them into quarterbacks and running backs. And uh, we're going to go first with Eli Manning. He just had 220 passing yards and really he was under 200 passing yards until near the very end. They started to kind of dink and dunk it down five, Point eight yards per attempt. The, without Odell Beckham, they really did struggle. Branton Marshall was pretty much AWOL into a catch near the very, very end of the game. So he struggled down the stretch last season, averaging less than 200 passing yards uh, over the second uh, half of the year. So he is somebody who, without Odell Beckham, there certainly is probably a concern there. Andy Dalton, as we mentioned, is the other one. He completed 16 of 31 passes for 170 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, and lost a fumble. So Pretty, pretty bleak stuff for him. He, he also lost 26 yards and five sacks. We'll throw that in there as well. But he's playing tonight. We're recording this Thursday against the Texans. I expect the Bengals to bounce back in a big way uh, on Thursday night football. Obviously a short week for them. Out of those two guys, are you concerned about either, both, or uh, you think they'll uh, all bounce back? I think they'll bounce back. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if, if you've got something better to do tonight, maybe there's something on Netflix you want to watch. You probably want to watch that that uh, you know maybe binge watch a series or something because I think this is gonna be a bad football game on a short week. But uh, that said, uh, I think he does bounce back. I think Andy Dalton can is capable of he we he's shown us that he's capable of putting up like three four touchdown games, uh, and even I think he even had a couple of five touchdown games if I'm not mistaken. So he definitely can do that. He definitely has the weapons if he's got the healthy guys in play. Uh, it does suck that they they thought so little of their offensive line that they just decided to dismantle it in Cincinnati. And it does, I do think that hurts Andy Dalton because he's not, he's a mobile quarterback, but if you, if you come at him, you know, between the tackles and, and put pressure up the gut, he's going to be 
uh, obviously make some bad mistakes. So, so yeah, it does hurt. Um, look, Eli Manning is Eli Manning. You know, there's good and bad Eli. We know that. I think that Brandon Marshall really now has become, he's morphed in sort of, of uh, Inquan Bolden now, where he is not, we're not expecting him to have this great movement anymore. He was never really, really a blazing fast guy, but he had good movement with the football. He was able to juke defenders. He was a good red zone play. He, he could make yards after the catch and turn something into nothing. Excuse me, nothing into something. Um, but without somebody there to really command, you know, basically bracket coverage downfield, sometimes three defenders on Odell Beckham, which they love to get in his head, so they, they are not afraid to do that. That opens things up, obviously, for for Marshall. So I feel less worried about Marshall uh, only because he's undervalued, especially in daily, obviously. Um, if if Odell comes back, we'll say this. I don't know if you saw it today on, on Twitter, but some beat writer was saying that that he's feeling okay and that it was a six- to eight-week injury. Yeah, I've seen that. So, so what does that mean? Are you still hurting? Are you still going to be running up? <laughs> Like, I don't, like, to me, like, if it's six to eight weeks, bro, then why are you coming back? You know, like, I don't, so I'm a little concerned about him. And I think, obviously, the fortunes of that, the rest of the offense are affected as well. I don't love their running game. It's not really that great. Um, it's pretty pedestrian. So it does bother me some that that's going to happen. Now, if, if Odell comes back and he's streaking down the field and he's not holding on to his leg or his hamstring or anything like that, um, then we'll be okay. You know, everything else will kind of bounce back, I think, because they have a great defense. You know, they can definitely uh, make things happen. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm optimistic if Odell's back. If he's not, he's he's definitely a game changer. He's a guy like like a David Johnson that changes the, the you know, the outlook. Uh, I believe uh, it was our friend Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus who said that they played a lot of cover six uh, without Odell. You know, you would never do that with Odell no, in the game because he would the first he would take the first catch and take it to the house. Yeah, he's one of those. He's a player like as you mentioned there with even Bell or Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. You know, I, I call them like a cheat character. You know, if you're playing Matt, they're just somebody who just affects everything on the on the field and uh, cha- changes the defensive scheme and everything. So. If, if he's back, obviously that's going to help Eli, but uh, without him in the lineup, and I, I, they're playing a Monday night football this week at home to the Lions, and that you know when they're playing as the last game of the week, I'd be very concerned uh, if we don't hear more positive news about this prior to Sunday morning. I'd be uh, taking him back out of all my lineups uh, this week because you can't uh, you can't chance of just heading into that Monday night football game. I'm going to ask you now about two men who were absolutely invisible this past week. Uh, one of them that I was very surprised about, one of them that I wasn't so surprised about, one was Eddie Lacy, returned to Lambeau Field, five carries for three yards in uh, Seattle's offensive line. The less said about that was the better. I guess actually I have another guy to add into this. Adrian Peterson rushed six times for 18 yards against the Vikings, so obviously not much from him there. And Hunter Henry uh, played just 39% of the Chargers' offensive snaps, so that was 16 less than Antonio Gates. Which one? I was most surprised about Hunter Henry, obviously, but with those guys, Hunter I expect to be uh, fine for the rest of the season. The two running backs, though, I'm pretty much ready to part ways with uh, both of them if I own them in any teams. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously the, the situation in New Orleans is, is weird because um, I do think that, you know, there was there may be some squeaky wheel kind of situation with with uh, with Peterson. But I think obviously this week sets up poorly for him because he's not a pass catcher. And if, if New England gets up 
uh, early. I think this bodes well for the guys who catch passes like Ingram and Kamara and not necessarily, um, you know, Peterson. And Peterson was already yelling at the coach, apparently. Staring him at Well, because he, 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 for some reason, he still thinks he's on the Madden cover. Uh, he's not, obviously. And he's not going to be fed the football because it's not, you know, you know 1999. So um, it, it just, it, that's not how it works, you know. And, I mean, people are going to try to do that, like Jacksonville, obviously, this year, and try to feed Fournette. But when you fall behind, if you can't catch the football, you don't have value as a pass catcher, then you have no reason to be, you know, getting 15 touches, 20 touches, whatever. So I think he's most affected, obviously, uh, again, to, to hit the DFS note again, Kamara's still cheap. If I were to, to pair a running back versus New England, uh, if you were trying to do a contrarian stack, I wouldn't be averse to Kamara, who's still super, super cheap right now. And uh, he, he's somebody that could have seven, eight catches in this game. Uh, because I think because also if, if Hightower is out, that helps a lot. Because somebody like Kamara in space, when you don't have somebody like you know, really kind of clogging up the middle, that allows for him to kind of take some of those little dink passes to, uh, to uh, more real estate. So. Yeah, and I think there when you mentioned uh, Kamara, I was very impressed. I was quite surprised with the the amount of work that the Saints gave him uh, against the Vikings, so I was impressed with his performance overall. Uh, Finally, as we uh, wrap up, uh, Romy, uh, I know you're not uh, involved as much as you mentioned with fantasy, but you're still kind of a, I think I I would call you a stalwart of the the fantasy football community anyway on Twitter, (laughs) uh, at Rumfordjohnny, but I know you were doing work with uh, Draft Day Consultants. I think you've uh, taken a step back this year, but do you want to give a plug out to the, the great team over there, Draft Day Consultants, as we head to the end here? Yeah, that is the uh, the sick, twisted love child of Denny Carter and, and Sal Stefanelli. Obviously, uh, they have a huge you know roster of, of wonderful uh, you know consultants who basically can help you throughout the year. So even just even though you've drafted already, you can still call them and and get somebody to kind of help you out and assist you through the season. Um, you know, they're there. If you, you're new to DFS and you don't know how to, you know, how to go about it, you, you can hire somebody, uh, like TJ Hernandez or Chris Raybon and gets one of those guys, uh, to help you out and, and set up your, you know, how to do your cash lineups and your, your GPPs. That's really invaluable stuff. You're going to get one-on-one, uh, consultations that are going to help you kind of blow up and, and make some money. So, um, yeah, I, it's a great service. I enjoyed it. I'm taking a step back just to kind of focus on DFS on my own and, and do some other stuff. Uh, Making that money. I mean, trying to make that money. Yeah, exactly. And and just not have enough time to do both right now. So taking a step back, I might be back next year, but I'm still part of that roster, so to speak. You know, they haven't retired my jersey yet. So but definitely check <laughs> definitely check them out, Draft Day Consultants. Uh, it's it's well worth it, especially if you're a newbie to certain platforms and you want somebody to help you these are the best of the best yeah and you mentioned as well there tj hernandez tj was on last week on the podcast so it's uh, you know you know the sort of quality you're getting there with the uh, you know very very uh, high quality minds and iqs in terms of uh, fantasy football so uh Romy, as uh, as i wrap this all up it's uh, as always it's been a lot of fun it's been a pleasure and uh, thank you for your time Oh, you're welcome, man. And uh, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll cross paths again in uh, maybe another year, and we'll yeah. talk again. <laughs> I, I I always have to dig you out of your kind of semi-retirement slumber. I can't let you uh, get through the season like that. Yeah, I feel like one of those like old talk show guests that like you know comes out and like has a you know 
a snifter of uh, brandy and like a cigarette, <laughs> <laughs> just like not making any sense and just like, you know, whatever, just kind of holding court. That's kind of how I feel when I do these podcasts now. But it's a blast. You know, it's it's fun seeing, uh, you know, your your association with Rotoviz and everything else is great. So uh, cheers to you, my friend. always absolute an absolute pleasure talking with uh, Romy he is uh, a really good guy always good with his time and since I uh, started up the podcast you know I think this we're heading into our fourth season now so just uh, over our third year anniversary of setting up the podcast and hopefully don't go back and listen to show one and show two uh, I think I haven't listened to them in years but they will be highly embarrassing at the poor, <laughs> poor content that we probably provided at the time but uh, looking into this season, uh, it's always great to have Romy aboard this show and follow him on Twitter as well, at Rumford Johnny. Uh, as I mentioned there, we were flying through the topics. We didn't get through them all. The players where I didn't get to were the players that we aren't concerned about. Uh, in that list was Russell Wilson, Kelvin Benjamin, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Thomas and Eric Decker, all who were limited uh, to you know their fantasy production this week, their NFL production. Wasn't a real surprise, you know. I, I expect Be- Benjamin to be a red zone target for the rest of the season. That is, you know, touchdown dependency is where he's going to make his uh, value this season. But Cam Newton limited throughout the the preseason, didn't really uh, ha- pass the ball all that much against the 49ers. And that game was always in hand, so they kind of just ran the ball to finish it out. It was a tough day for Wilson up in Green Bay. The Packers uh, front seven playing particularly well, but they have home games coming up now against San Francisco and Indianapolis, uh, so it's going to be a lot, lot easier for them in that game, and I expect Wilson to have a big, big fantasy year. Alshon Jeffrey, again, uh, just wasn't his uh, day. He was targeted seven times, and um, you know I, I think that uh, we'll see Alshon Jeffrey moving up, moving stronger, if he can stay healthy for the rest of the season. He's somebody that I own in a lot of leagues, and I think that... Uh, He's, he's going to have a big, big week, possibly even starting this week. Michael Thomas of the Saints. It was a tough matchup. We knew that before facing the Vikings. The Vikings' defense is very, very strong. Um, uh, you know, he was shadowed by Xavier Rhodes, who is pretty much uh, one of the best uh, defensive players in the NFL. So no doubt about that. Uh, you know, he's going to have much, much easier matchups. The Patriots might be a tough match this uh, week for him, but uh, going forward with Drew Brees and company, uh, we'll see that improve. Eric Decker just didn't all work out for him but he was targeted in the red zone he got three touches three targets inside the 15 yard line so you know you want to be getting them red zone targets that's where Decker's going to make the the most of uh, his stretch but it's going to be hard for him to turn around just immediately looking at his current schedule for the next couple of weeks he has the Jaguars the Seahawks and then Houston so it's going to be might be another four or five weeks (laughs) before you can uh, get him but maybe Maybe after this week, uh, if he has another down week, maybe try and see if you can uh, get him as a potential trade candidate in some leagues. Some of the the owners might uh, be getting a little bit worried there. I expect him to uh, still have a, a very nice season overall. I always ask each and every week for topics and questions on Twitter as well, and you can send them to me at Overtime Ireland. If it's a longer question, you can send it to overtimeireland at gmail.com. But I always try and filter them in then and use them as the topics. But then there was one question come in. I didn't get to it as we didn't talk about the 49ers. But at JerGav36 asked, when will we see the first 49ers win of the season? I don't want to hurt too many 49ers fans feelings out there but uh, any given Sunday but I don't think it's going to happen this week in Seattle with the, the Seahawks being 0-1 after that game with the Packers so not this week but uh, maybe in the not too distant future I expect Kyle Shanahan to, to make things an improvement it's, it is going to be a work in progress there though for the 49ers so 
At the start of the show, I did mention the affiliate links on OvertimeIreland.com. Please do check them out. And uh, if you're using Amazon, obviously, we're starting to think ahead to the holiday season, and I know it is early to be doing that. But you can bookmark that link and then use it uh, when the time comes when you're going to buy something off Amazon or Amazon UK. So please do that. It helps us out a lot. I also mentioned the Rotoviz podcast that I've going on. Check those out as well. And uh, follow me on Twitter as well, at Overtime Ireland. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And with all those plugs out of the way, uh, I guess all that's left to say is until I'm back next week, of course, enjoy week two and have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.